a listener production. Created for new dads and dads-to-be, this season is the ultimate go-to guide for men on falling pregnant, giving birth, and what to do once you bring your baby home. Welcome to Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin and new dad, Chris Taylor. Hi, I'm midwife Kath and with Chris Taylor. Today we're talking about miscarriages. Hi, Chris. How are you today? I'm very well, midwife Kath. Good. So today we're talking about pregnancy loss and I just thought before we start, I'm aware it brings up a lot of sadness for people and there is a support line, Chris, for miscarriage. And I think it's important that if someone is feeling anxious about a past miscarriage, there is somewhere, someone to talk to. So the number is 1300 308 307. I'm going to declare myself very early here, Kath. I've been through this. My partner and I had a miscarriage and yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. Uh, it, it's a traumatic thing to go through. And I respect some people may be triggered by a discussion about it. Can I just say that I, in a weird kind of way, I'm I'm feeling quite liberated about having the conversation we're going to have today because yeah. I feel we don't chat about no. miscarriage enough. 100%, it's Chris. it's incredibly common. Yeah, and until I went through one, I yeah. don't think I realised how common it was. Mm. And I didn't realise that it's something that you can bring up in polite society. So I'm actually quite energised by the fact we're talking about this today because I think it it might help contribute to a wider outing of the topic just to to let people know it's very common. But also, like all things in life, I've always been one to talk about problems rather than bury them. Yeah. So I hope, I hope a lot of listeners yeah, see too. it in that category. Yeah, I agree. And I've never understood why early pregnancy is a secret. And I've spoken to a lot of women and, you know, they've said, oh, no, when can we tell people? And I've always said, tell them now, because if something suddenly happens, believe me, you're going to need the love of your family around you to support Mm. you through. And grief, it's physically painful, you know, and this is a very deep grief, but you don't have anything really to show. Like if you're down the street and you know, you haven't been in an accident or you haven't sort of lost a loved one who's, you know, alive and walking around. It's a baby that no one's talked about, but it's it's real. It is its own category of grief because, yeah, we've all presumably lost grandparents or relatives or close friends. And that's a more tangible thing. You've got memories, but this is you're almost grieving a concept as much as grieving a human. Yes, you're grieving the loss of something you don't really know. Well, yeah, exactly. You're grieving... You're grieving the promise of joy <laughs> yeah, or the promise of life rather and, than an actual life. And it's going from the highest of high, boom, to the lowest of low, you know, in a second. Let's start by just asking very, very simply, Midwife Kath, what is a miscarriage? What's actually going on inside the womb? So a miscarriage is, it's, it's basically defined as a loss of pregnancy before 20 weeks. Okay, so it can be right up until 20 weeks. And you'll, you find that just what we, we were talking about, people not sharing their, their news that they are pregnant, it's usually around, you know, sort of eight or nine weeks, even six weeks, people will tell that they are pregnant because they may have had an ultrasound and seen the baby's heartbeat. And then the next visit or 
bleeding, you know, before 20 weeks and the baby's passed away, that's really so difficult because they've even, they've seen the heartbeat. They've seen mm. their dream alive and moving and a heart beating. Let me say that the baby inside is called a fetus until it's delivered and then called baby. So what causes it? There's quite a few causes. You know, there's some rare things, but and there's some things you can say I don't, you know, we'd, we'd say we don't know. You know, there's those situations that a um, miscarriage just happens. There's other things, things like, I don't know if you ever heard of a blighted ovum. Have you heard about no, that? No. no. So blighted ovum is an egg that's fertilised, but it doesn't, doesn't continue to divide so that a pregnancy test will be positive. And there's a sac, you know, you can actually see the sac formed, although there's no baby. And that's a cruel one too. Right. Can you imagine, you know, going and having your ultrasound and the doctor or midwife So it presents saying, as real, but there's not actually a fetus no inside. Yeah. yeah. So there's other like medical conditions of women during pregnancy. You know, we have conditions when not pregnant that are like diabetes, like hypertension, all of those things that, you know, women can have. But when they're associated with pregnancy, they make it complicated. There's also a thing called um, cervical incompetence. So we've got the uterus where the baby is implanted. And then we call that the neck of the uterus is the cervix. And that really sort of holds the pregnancy in. And the cervix is like going down when you go into labour. That cervix has to completely open for the baby to be born. Some women have an incompetent cervix. And what that is, is that the cervix just can't hold the weight of the pregnancy. Even when it's that small. Yeah. And so the cervix just starts to open and the pregnancy comes away. And that can happen, you know, it's often as the pregnancy gets bigger, around about 13, 14 weeks. And as, you know, when you're getting to 20 weeks or even 23 weeks, when it's sort of on the cusp of viability, to have a baby deliver, you know, or have a cervical incompetence and the, and the, the, the products of pregnancy, which we call, which is not the greatest terminology, but, you know, for them to come away at that stage. And a lot of women are not even aware that they've got cervical incompetence. I read, I, I don't know if this was like Dr. Google or something, but I'd read that a lot of miscarriages are simply that the the embryo, or the there was just a defect genetically. Yep. It was almost nature's way of saying, no, this one's this one's not ready. Yep. It's not and it is. It is. So, so that is common? Absolutely. And so the chromosomal defect or abnormality is very high. And it's very hard to say that to young families when they've just lost a baby because I think it's it's so hard when you've lost and, you, and you're grieving, let alone to think that the baby was abnormal, you know. But we know that all those cells dividing, something happens and good old Mother Nature, she's a very strong woman and she's like, this baby can't survive mm. and won't be viable as the pregnancy goes along. We actually, you know, in a perverse way, took some reassurance from when we were told that it was, you know, it was not, you know, you've, you've outlined a myriad of potential reasons why miscarriages was, but we was told it was probably just that, that the, the, there was a defect in the baby and it was, you know, it, it would have had no quality of life. It would, you know, it, well, it, would, right. it wouldn't have made it. So it, in a way, you know, there's, there's very little you can say to alleviate the grief, but it, it's, it does it help. It kind a bit, of felt like it? it's just oh, this one, this yeah. one wasn't ready, it wasn't, wasn't right for work. Yeah. yeah, this is a real. I hope no. I mean, I, I think I always ignorantly just thought it was more or less just one or two reasons miscarriages occur. 
The result is the same, but it's yes. interesting that lots of many different things can cause it. That's why it is important to do tests because there are women and um, men in the community that don't want to know, which is, you know, that's okay. And I've se- I've looked after people who just don't want to know what was wrong with the baby. They don't want any testing. They don't want to. And it's it's hard to deal with treating in that situation because you just know it's going to continue. How will a couple first know or suspect that something might be wrong? What what are the early symptoms of miscarriage? Sometimes it's nothing, absolutely nothing. And you've got a pregnancy test, a positive pregnancy test, and, you know, you go off to the doctor or midwife and on ultrasound you see there's no heartbeat. And not sort of classing which one's the hardest to deal with because they are all hard to deal with, but I think when you haven't had any bleeding and you go in to have your first abdominal check or pelvic check, and there and then there's no heartbeat. Very hard. There's also bleeding. And bleeding also doesn't mean you're having a miscarriage. It just might mean you're bleeding. So, you know, it causes a lot of anxiety, of course, to women when, you know, you feel that you're bleeding or you get period pain. Um, You can still bleed when pregnant. Yes. I've looked after women who have bled right through pregnancy and have a normal baby. It's incredible. Some women don't bleed at all and have a miscarriage at six weeks. So as far as I'm concerned, it's never everyone's the same. You're always thinking about, always thinking about different things. So if you suspect something might be wrong, whether it's blood or just a feeling, what, what's the correct process? Do you go and see your GP? Should you go straight to emergency? What, what do you do? Again, it depends. I know I always, uh, I start every answer on that, but it depends. It depends. This podcast should be called It Depends. <laughs> it does, <laughs> yes. Um, it depends how many weeks you are. It depends whether you've had an ultrasound or not. It depends if you're private or public, believe it or not, and all of those bits and pieces. So let's say someone's just going for their first appointment and the first diagnosis, will, you, know, you can see the baby's heart rate and everything's fine. And then a couple of days later, there may be bleeding. So when that happens, you always go back to your doctor, whether it's a GP or midwife or obstetrician, and you say that you've had some bleeding. Then a more detailed ultrasound would take place. And again, some women choose not to have anything done. They don't want to know. And that's okay. If there's bleeding, you certainly look to see whether the baby is viable still and, you know, whether it's growing because there still can be a heartbeat and we can tell the number of heartbeats. And if a miscarriage is happening, there's a few things that we can see on ultrasound. One, that the sac is starting to deflate and also the heartbeat is slowing down. So you can still have a live baby, but we would know that inevitably it's going to be a miscarriage. That's awful. That was our experience. We, um, I think, so we were at about at the six-week mark um, and my partner was going in for her dating scans to sort of, and the radiographer, they did the scan and just the size of the baby wasn't quite consistent with the number of weeks. And they're always very sort of poker faced and professional. It's not their job to sort of mm. say, they said, but my wife could immediately tell yes. that there was a, a slight flinch when looking mm. at the size and so recommended she see her GP and the GP look at the results of the scan. And so the heartbeat was still there, yeah. but it was very small. Yeah. And 
I think the penny dropped mm. even before we got the official Were medical you there confirmation. At the ultrasound? I wasn't. No, no, I was actually, it was during lockdown. And remember we, lockdown? remember we were allowed, well, A, yeah, I wasn't, I didn't think I was allowed in, but mm. it was also, we were briefly allowed to walk and my father, who's very old, wasn't getting much exercise. So I, once a week I'd take him out for a walk. Mm. We found there was this one part of Sydney that was in both of our five kilometre radiuses. Right. We were yes. allowed to meet at this two square metre patch well, and walk up members. and down. Yep. And, and I remember walking with him and it was a beautiful day. We, were, we sort of had views out to Sydney Harbour and then the call came through mm. and I just remember like everything stopping. Mm. Uh, my wife was hysterical. I know. She'd correctly guessed what had happened even though we hadn't had the formal confirmation. Had her symptoms symptoms settled or ha- did she have any physical understanding prior to going no, into that? No, she didn't. She didn't. It was no. a complete surprise. But mm. she had that kind of sixth sense. Yeah. I think she, I don't know, you know, call it women's intuition, but mm. she, she was nervous going to the scan that mm. day. I think, as I said in the previous episode, We'd had such a long, cursed time trying yeah. to conceive. I, I don't think we ever really believed we were pregnant until we saw it crowning and coming out of the – and asking for an Dear iPhone and, yeah. and all of that. So, <laughs> so we were always kind of very pessimistic, yep. Yep. if I can put it that way. Yep. And then this call came through. So she was howling. I knew I had to be with her, mm. so got my dad home and – we did have the news confirmed pretty much a day or two later, I think. Mm. And I remember just being completely crushed. I, I didn't leave my bed for three days. No, it's it was, very common, It was kind of Chris. depression, really. It's very common. Looking back, Kath, I wonder, and I fear if that was selfish wallowing and what I should have been doing is offering better support to my wife, who was experiencing the same devastation, if not worse. I mean, yes, both partners are really, really struggling, but... What What is the correct way to support a mother when they get that news? I've always said it's a very lonely loss, a miscarriage. It's very lonely for women and it's very lonely for men. And for women, because it's happening to our body and we have a sense of failure. Did I eat something that caused this yeah. or did I, was the paint on the on the walls too smelly and of course, like you just go through all of that and it does change the way you think and certainly become very anxious about other pregnancies, of course. And for men, it's different too because it's a very lonely grief for you and you see your partner in pain and you're in pain too. But it's sort of like you can't help each other at some level, but gosh, it's hard. Going to our topic at the at the top of this podcast is that we should talk about it more because good god when you're in pain and the lowest and the saddest you are that's when you need your friends and family to you know gather around you i don't think we'd even told our parents we were pregnant um because it was still so early and and we did have that slight cursed sort of mm. <laughs> mindset mm. so when the miscarriage happens that was the first news they got. I think I rang up my mum and said, no. we were pregnant and now it's not happening. Oh, dear. Um, and in, in a crazy way <laughs> that only you perhaps will perhaps understand, and 
my mum was quite happy with it. She said, oh, it means you can get pregnant. No, that's like, exactly right. Not, yes. <laughs> like, she I've goes, said oh, that so before. you're, not, you're yeah. not shooting blanks or yeah, you're not yeah. infertile. And I go, mum, I don't think that's the main <laughs> takeaway of what I just told you. Oh, God love um, it. Yep. But for her it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that was sort of weird. Look, I've said that to women, not straight away, of course, but, you know, after time, the fact that you can get pregnant is a big plus. And, you know, there's different things to help. silver lining, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the early signs of miscarriage can be vaginal bleeding, period-type pain. And, I mean, period pain is hideous, but having a miscarriage pain is bloody hideous, you know, because the cervix just sort of starting to open when the products of conception may be coming out or the it's it's shocking it's a well, terrible pain this is the real cruel blow that the double cruelty of it for women is that not only are they going through something that's emotionally awful mm. it's physically awful as well um it is my, my partner sort of said passing the pregnancy tissue was a pain, Awful. not quite as bad as childbirth, but pretty up Very there. Very bad pain. Can you describe it for it? What, what does a woman experience when she has to pass a, a fetus or an embryo? Well, you know, it's, as I said, period pain. You know, us women understand what period pain is, but this is 100 times worse because the cervix is closed and as it starts to open and any product coming down through the cervix and when the baby does pass, you're often sitting on the toilet because of being in that position, passing urine and, you know, blood coming out. It's bloody horrific pain. It's overwhelming pain. But, you know, some women might just have some pain and even pass, you know, the products in the toilet and don't even know that that's happened until they have another ultrasound and the uterus is empty. So look, there's, it's never nice talking about it. And also the way we talk about like the products of conception. I can remember there's a few people have had a go at me for saying that. It's sort of like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. You know, do you use it, say it's a fetus or a baby or products of conception? But that's how, that's the terminology. Products of conception sounds so... It does. Clinical and it's cold awful. And it's something yeah. out of a sci-fi novel. It's not nice. But, you know, I think it's important that women know the, the terminology because, unfortunately, medical terminology, blah, 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 it all goes. People say it and, you know, you forget about how people are hearing that because the products of conception is a very cold way of talking about the baby. Once you have one, are, are miscarriages all the same or are there different types and iterations of miscarriage? Mm, there's different types. So there's an inevitable miscarriage where um, it can either just happen or it can come after a threatened miscarriage, which is another type. And it's when it's an inevitable miscarriage, there tends to be a lot more bleeding because once the bleeding starts and if the woman is in pain, you know, the cervix starts to open and that's why there's a lot more pain in an inevitable miscarriage. A complete miscarriage is when the whole pregnancy has come away. And we're talking up to 20 weeks for miscarriage and it's very distressing if a miscarriage has taken place and women come in with, medically I keep saying the products of conception and I was just as I was saying to you, it's it's such a it's not a very nice way of calling it, but I just want people to know that's what it's called 
in the medical business because I'd, I'd hate someone to go that, in. That's and, kind of the the actual tautology that, is that the, the industry medic- uses. Absolutely, yeah. And yeah. Um, it's certainly so, not what parents use. I, I think no, we'd say fetus or yeah, or yeah. the baby. You know, yeah. So that's a complete miscarriage. And on ultrasound, the uterus would be empty. Some women may have even gone to the bathroom and had pain and passed the baby and not even known because you've got pain and and then all of a sudden when the baby comes away, the pain settles but the bleeding still stays and that's a complete miscarriage. An incomplete miscarriage is when some of the tissue is left inside the uterus. So you may, certainly there would have been bleeding, products would have passed, but what happens is that women can still have this terrible period pain and period pain's shocking, (laughs) but it's actually nearly labour pain. It's so bad because the body's trying to get rid of what it wants to expel and passing even a small amount of tissue can be very very painful for women. I, I was deeply concerned. When I was witnessing my wife in, in yeah. levels of pain I don't think I'd seen ever in her life until later again in childbirth. But yeah. it, I, I, I was sort of dialing triple zero. Yeah. I thought this is this is not normal. But but you're kind of saying not that unusual. No, not at all. There is an incomplete miscarriage, and that is when some is passed but some is left in. Mm. And we know that, again, because the body won't accept anything that it doesn't want, now it it knows the pregnancy is finished and it really is working hard to get rid of this tissue that has still left in, whether it's placental or membrane tissue. And that's, again, a lot of pain and bleeding. Then you have a missed miscarriage and the baby has died and... You might have just a brown discharge, but you you just don't think you're having a miscarriage because there might be just a small amount of brown discharge. And with all of these miscarriages and with bleeding, women, I know I said to you earlier, but women can bleed right through their pregnancy and have a healthy baby at the end. Some women may have no bleeding at all and have a miscarriage. Mm. So, you know, bleeding's not always a sign, but it's something that we really follow up because... It's not what we want to see. It's a pretty good sign, but not a fail-proof sign. Absolutely. So some women go in to an ultrasound with bleeding, expecting they're having a miscarriage, and are actually delighted because the sac is inflated and the heartbeat's ticking along well, so it can happen. And the recurrent miscarriage, these days, after one miscarriage, definitely two, there will be further investigations done because there are some reasons why women continue to miscarry. And once the investigations are done, and it's important to have these tests done if you feel that terrible loss of of a pregnancy, sometimes just a small tablet or something is enough to hold the pregnancy and the pregnancy can continue uneventful. Usually it's uh, three miscarriages. But look, I've worked with a lot of doctors and, and they will do testing after one because right. who wants to go through three? One's hard enough. And the testing after a miscarriage is very important for both men and women. So men are tested and their semen's tested and women will have certainly blood tests these days and in some cases be referred to a haematologist 
and have really in-depth investigation into their blood. And, you know, what we know now and what we didn't know in when 1975, when I first started, it's just incredible. And a lot of women have babies and men have babies in their arms because of all this, the investigations. And also because some women lost so many babies that the uh, medical profession continued to find out why women were sort of continuing to miscarry. Some women will obviously wait to pass the pregnancy tissue naturally. Is there also the option to have medicine to fast track that process? Yes. Yes, it is. You can have some tablets that will stimulate the uterus to expel the placenta and tissues and the baby. That doesn't always work. Some women don't want to have an operation, but in a lot of cases, they end up needing one. The specialists that I've worked with, you know, they've always been very keen to have women have a curette because if you had a miscarriage today and then you have a curette tomorrow, it's really, it sort of closes that chapter. And then you look ahead to the next cycle and the next pregnancy. Just to be clear, because uh, this, this sort of terminology was certainly new to me when as yeah. a first time dad. A curette is the surgical option mm. to remove the fetus yep. or the pregnancy tissue. Can you just describe what happens in a curette and when would a woman need to take that surgical option? Yep. It's a minor procedure, even though the emotion behind it is intense, and it's called a D and C. So it's a dilation and curette. The doctor slowly just dilates the cervix and then the curette is just to remove any products um, from the uterus. It has to be done under general anaesthetic, and it would be maybe a five-minute procedure, but you do need to go under because anyone dilating your cervix and the way it's done, you just couldn't manage that. <laughs> it's, you know, it would be too, far too painful. And really, in a lot of cases, we will talk about that and encourage that, but it doesn't mean it has to be done. You know, you don't have to have it if you need a couple of days to sure. come to terms with it. And some women want it now. You know, they want it exactly right now. They want to move on straight away. Yes. So we're all different and we all react differently. Are there any risks with the curette? Like, obviously, a lot of couples are thinking, I don't want to do anything that risks our chance of conceiving... Well, in, in the future, is is there any risk of a curette? Well, or? these days, I would they're very, very low because they'll be done by an experienced obstetrician gynecologist. Some women don't want it done. They want to pass it naturally and let their body do what it will naturally do to expel the baby. But there is a, a big risk of um, infection if that is allowed to sort of continue. And there's also pain and there's like bleeding, and it's not a nice combination to go through. So in a lot of cases, it would be considered that, you know, why don't you go ahead and we can do a curette, you know, go home, you know, think about it, come back. If someone's bleeding heavily, it's sort of a no-brainer then, and then yeah. you need to have a, a curette because you just don't want to keep bleeding. My partner was a kind of odd half and half, I think, where she'd passed half of the tissue naturally, but some was left. 
Yeah. So they went in just to incomplete. I yes. hesitate to use the word scrape. I know, they, but it is exactly yeah. that. And, you know, psychologically for women, it's an important part of the process for some women. And that is that they feel like they're back square one and start again. And I think what's really important to know is that because one baby may have had some chromosomal abnormalities, it doesn't mean the next baby is going to. Every every baby is a new baby and it's a, it's a new start. And after a curette, believe it, a lot of people, women get pregnant afterwards. And whether that's an emotional thing or, or a physical thing, but you always give women hope because there's hope. These days there's hope. How common are miscarriages? Well, it's... It's about it's more common than you'd think. It's it's about one in five. One in five pregnancies. Yep. That's really common. It is. And so can you imagine one like a lot five. of people walking around not talking about it? So how many of your friends would have told you that they've had a, a miscarriage? Oh, could count it on one hand. Yeah. Like two or three. Yeah. Even in families. Some families members don't know. I'm um maybe I'm just conversationally uh, <laughs> careless sometimes, but I, I tend to bring it up, um, you know, amongst close friends. Yeah. And it's really interesting that when you say you've had one, then everyone else comes out of the closet. They go, totally. oh, we had one too, but they only had permission once I'd kind of raised the issue. That's so, very true, Chris. Yeah. that And that's sort of how I gradually learned how common it was. Mm. I thought I was in this weird, you know, uh, unlucky club. Um, but the the more I did start to confess it to close friends and family, the more I realised almost one in two of my friends said, oh, no, we went through that. Yeah. 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 And you didn't know. And, you know, you sort of think, oh, goodness. When you know, when you've gone through it and you think, oh, God, wish I knew because I would have cared for you like I wished I was cared for, you know. It's, and our lives are pretty uneventful. Like, they're, 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 you know, they're not defined by these incredibly momentous traumatizing acts of upheaval. It's so weird to me that one of the things that most wrenches your heart and and plunders you into depression is something we're just not talking about. I know. A baby's dying. I mean, it's awful, isn't it? Are some women more prone to miscarriage than others? I'm wondering if age is like people over 35 more common than people. Certainly age, yeah. So that is a factor, yeah. Yeah. With IVF and, well, definitely IVF women are having babies later. And sometimes, you know, you'll hear about, you know, pop stars and movie stars that, you know, they're 50 and they've had a miracle baby and it's never their egg and sperm. It just can't be. And they tell you that it is and everyone believes, isn't it wonderful at 50 they've had this baby, but it's wonderful that they've had a baby, but certainly wouldn't be their egg. Are you kind of suggesting that all women are kind of equally prone to miscarriage? It's not like... yes. Yeah, so it yes. could happen to the healthiest, the youngest. It's it's not really a it's no. not a genetic thing. No. You've touched on this, but I'm going to I just want to drill down on it a little bit more and come at it at a slightly different way just for clarity for people who this is relevant for. Women who have multiple miscarriages. Mm-hmm. If a couple's had three or more miscarriages in a row, is that a sign that there's something more serious going on or is, or is it just bad luck? No, it's not bad luck. Something's going on. And sometimes it can be 
a very small fix, you know, and you can go and have a pregnancy that carries on uneventful to term. In major cities these days and, you know, with our healthcare and our knowledge of obstetrics, it would be rare if a woman was having, well, three miscarriages and not having any treatment, any sort of active treatment and investigation about why this is happening. Because one can be, well, that's happened. Two is, goodness gracious, three, you need to have something. Three. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of doctors will do investigations after the first uh, miscarriage. Mm. Some will say three. But, you know, I think it's important for the emotional health of women and men that investigations are done earlier, especially because women are having babies later and they... Time, time's running out. The clock's ticking. It's a heavy discussion, Kath, and the, the one thing that's possibly worse in pregnancy than a miscarriage is stillbirth. Mm. Um, what's stillbirth? Well, stillbirth is the, the death of a baby in utero, and people say, you know, what a great job you have. I, I have the best job. It's happy 90% of the time, but the rest, it's, it's bloody tragic. And the death of a baby and delivering a stillborn baby. I can't imagine. Just, you know. Your your bad 10% is way worse than anyone else's bad yep. 10% yep. of their jobs. That that must just be. Just shocking. Heart-wrenching. Mm. So stillborn infants or stillbirth, technically that's any baby that dies after 20 weeks. Is that the, yes. yep. the definition? In utero, yeah. In utero. Mm. And... What causes that? Is it the same things that caused miscarriage or a whole new set of Yeah, there's different hazards? things. And and often it's, you know, a placental thing. And, and look, Chris, a lot of these miscarriage stillborn, some women and men are going to have, I don't know, told to them. You know, we don't know. How bad would that be? Yeah. You know, there's nothing you can fix. I think that's the worst of the worst, to be honest. And certainly the worst that I've ever dealt with, with patients. And there's no answer. And post-mortems come back and there's no reason. The placenta's healthy. The baby seemed healthy. You know, there's no no standout abnormality. Because, Mm. you know, it's interesting. Babies can be born with incredible heart defects and they're born and that can be fixed. And then then it's like, well, why do babies suddenly die in utero? I touched on this earlier, but I, I mean, I was heavily inconsolable after losing mm. fetus at just six weeks. So I can't get my head around the grief couples go through discovering a stillborn at 20 weeks or, or worse still during labor itself. 39 which, which weeks. Which would just yeah, be the, absolutely. just the ultimate. How, how do people recover from that? <sighs> how do people recover? I must say a lot of marriages don't survive. Right. And it's not because of it's a blaming thing, but, you know, the grief is so hard with men and women, it just becomes a pathological trauma. These days we have incredible services like Red Nose and we have the SIDS and all of these Mm. wonderful people who are bringing these topics to the top and ensuring that we do continue to talk about it. And... It's not that long ago it was a really dirty secret and people would know, oh, I think she lost the baby in a community, but, no, you know, nothing was done. 
Would, would you almost, you know, in, in previous decades almost be scandalised? Like it's sort of, mm. you know, like a, a woman who had an abortion, would it be like, oh, she... Well, uh, scandal's p- obviously the wrong word, but that that kind of ost- being ostracised by the yeah. community, not because you've done something bad, but because you've done something no one's comfortable addressing. Well, I think with termination of pregnancy, not a lot of people know. Like you don't go around, I'd say, telling people. Whereas a miscarriage or stillborn, you know, the happy news is out. And your generation now are happier to talk about it. My parents' generation, they weren't happy to talk about it. I guess, you know, everyone deals with it differently too, but yeah. you can you can choose to wallow forever um, and lie in the ditch, as it were, or you can get back on the horse and go, yeah. that was a rough trot, but let's, you know, let's see if there's a brighter yeah. uh, pot of gold ahead of us. But I think the next time you do have a pregnancy, were, were you anxious when you were having Rosie? Yes. Yeah. During the pregnancy? Yes. Yeah, I, if you've had a miscarriage and then you fall pregnant again, you That's you what... spend that entire pregnancy on edge waiting for the phone And call. what about your partner? How did she feel? Was she the same? Slightly better than me. She, yes. Um, again, I think I talked about women's intuition earlier. She, she, Everything was sort of right. Everything felt as it should be. Yes. I mean, there's always the, you know, the back of the mind worry and every time you go to, into a scan, you go, yes. will that this be the one feeling. where that yeah. heart beats yes. and not beating? In fact, we even had a moment. Um, oh, I know ve- those moments. <laughs> very close to labour, like the, the last scan before mm. you're due. And they're just not picking up a heartbeat and it's, you know. That sinking <laughs> feeling. And I'm, I'm going, here we go. I'm my I'm, I'm sinking, and God bless the public health system. It was just bad equipment. <laughs> they just couldn't pick up. They just kept. They brought three different machines in, and the third machine finally detected. Seriously? Yeah. Oh my God! Um, you poor but, thing. But yeah, that we had a moment, and I think I'd started, you know, uh, planning my Dan Murphy's order that night. How was I going to drink my way through another miscarriage? Oh, no. uh, Would have been stillborn in that instance, yeah. but. You know, I was sort of only half joking earlier that you never really think you've got a baby until you see it come out and and hear that scream. What about that feeling when, you know, you see your baby? It's just, it stays in your mind. Well, I believe it stays in your mind's eye for life, doesn't it? The first look. Oh, you'll never forget that. It's just overwhelming. This has been a really healthy chat, I think, Kath. I've got one last question. Mm -hmm. How soon after miscarriage or stillbirth is it safe for a couple to start trying again. Now, I think in the old wives' tale little box, people say you have to have one period and then try again. It's not that. You can try straight away. Right. Yeah. Even if you've had a curette? Nope. Yeah, right. Nope. It's a whole new cycle. Yeah, right. Whether you're emotionally in a headspace to do, that's another matter. But, yes. but biologically, physiologically, you can, you yes. can conceive straight up. And sex after. becomes like, okay, <laughs> go for it, you know. <laughs> That's, yeah. that's, that becomes very right. clinical, doesn't it, you know? Right. And uh, you don't have to wait or it's very old wives' tale about, you know, the having a couple of periods and then your uterus being healthy again. It's it's not like that. You can, right. And a lot of women get pregnant straight away. Straight away. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't cause any less anxiety, does it, you know, when you do no. get pre- No. It, it doesn't, especially if you've been through one and know all the, the, the roller coaster ups and downs of that. But yeah. Um, You've got to keep moving forward. You certainly do. That's what you want. 
Look, I, I, Kath, I feel I feel better for having had this chat. It, it's oddly reassuring to know how common these experiences are. And while you wouldn't wish it on anybody, it is, it, it's strangely comforting to know you're not alone and thousands and thousands of people have gone through the same thing. I'm Chris Taylor. And I'm Midwife Kath. Join us for another episode of... Birth Baby and Beyond. This has been Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin and Chris Taylor. Senior executive producer is Lorna Clarkson. Executive producer is Siobhan Hunt. Audio production by Josh Newth. And music by Matt Nikolic.